noise, make 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 noise. This is Steven Jackson, amazing basketball player, now has wound up in a situation where he is now a voice and a face of a movement. One of the one of the questions I was going to ask you, and first things first, this is a really bad situation. This is a really bad time. So I, I don't want to start it off on a negative note. I actually want to ask you a couple of basketball questions that I would have loved to ask you because I wanted to interview you and Matt Barnes. Um, we're not doing it under the circumstances I want, but I want to start off a little light. So so let, let, let's just start with this. You had a great great career. One of the illest perimeter def defenders ever. You were called the ultimate teammate by Tim Duncan, which is like a major, 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 major prop. You podcast with Matt Barnes, which I love. You're part of the Big Three League. You played with Charles Oakley on that, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And, 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 and again, like I said, whether you want to or not, you've made the transition from retired player, podcaster, and now social activist. And you are somebody who's about that life on and off the court. So I just want to ask you a couple of basketball things first. Why did Tim Duncan call you the ultimate team? Uh, first off, school, good to talk to you, big homie, man. It's, it's been a while. Uh, uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Um, Thank you. Tim Duncan um, knew my heart. He knew my passion for the game, and, and I was willing to do anything for the team, anything for the team to win, whether it's go out there and pick a fight, um, I protected him every night I was on the court. If anybody wanted smoke, I wanted it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and I just played that role. I protected my teammates to do anything to win the game. And he understood my passion for basketball. He understood I never got the credit I deserved, but he knew that I was an all-star in the game. Now, now, that's interesting because, again, I don't play basketball, so I don't understand the psyche or the game or how it works. You actually have to protect Tim Duncan you have to protect the star. Why? Why is that? Explain. Every that. team. Well, the words of from the, these are the words from Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr. Every championship team needs a Dennis Rodman, a Stephen Jackson, a Ron Artest, because you need a, you need a guy to funk up the game a little bit, and you you need a guy to be a protector. Your star player can't get in the conversations. He can't get it. He can't get taken fouls and get thrown out the game. Tim Duncan, mm -hmm. if you knew how if you knew how great he was, he controls every game every night. So you need him. You you have you don't have a chance to win. So we had to take all the pressure off him, all the nonsense and all the other stuff they tried to do to take him out of his game. We had to handle that. And uh, I had to be that for a number of players at times. And I didn't mind it because I knew that was a part of us winning games. So if somebody elbows Tim Duncan the wrong way, you go up behind him on the other on the on the, on the opposite side of the court and you fucking hit him with an elbow in the back of their head. That's and you start a fight with them. No, no, no. I'm not going to the other end. As soon as they do it, I'm going right there, then and there, right when it happened. I'm not waiting until we get on the other end. They know. That's why I never had a fight during the NBA game. We went in the stands, but during the NBA game with basketball players, I never had a fight. Never. Because guys know I was, I'm really going there. I'm not doing too much talking. I'm going there. Right. Because so I, you, you, I, I, I get along with everybody, Scoop. So if you, if you get to the point where you're that disrespectful, I'm about to go there, and they know that. Okay, so you, you uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had to go outside, like in the parking lot, and put your hands up and be like, listen, we need to get to this right now? Never. Never happened? Never happened. Okay. Um, 
you play defense, and, and, and you've been called one of the best perimeter defenders ever. Why is it so hard for dudes to actually play defense? You're getting paid to score and stop people from scoring. Why is it so hard that dudes can't run down to the other side of the court and actually D somebody up? You have to be selfless. You have to have you have to have that gene. Um, I think it's being a defender. You have to be an ultimate competitor because you're gonna get embarrassed sometimes. You know, especially playing in the NBA, you're gonna get crossed over. You're gonna people gonna make you stumble. You're gonna get dunked on. It happens at the highest level, mm -hmm. but you gotta have enough pride to understand that. Okay, you might dunk on me once, but I'm gonna lock you down ten times. You gotta understand. Right. You know what I mean? Taking that pride and locking down people. And then that's part of the game to me. Playing defense and playing offense always been a part of the game with me. And some of the best players in history are two-way players. But is it a reason why dudes just don't want to play defense? What's, you you play with some of the best, so what's in their mind? Like It's just, it's just not in them. It's just not in them. They, they, they feel like they have a role to play. And, and you got to understand it's just not in some people, man. It's just not in a person to be a dog when they really a cat. And it's a lot of players like that. Somebody said that to me. I think it was Stephen A. Smith. He said you can. There's certain levels in basketball. There's a there's a guy who you know is just kind of timid. Then there are guys that are killers. He said Kobe was a killer. Michael Jordan was a killer. Is that true? Is do you guys call it killer and cat? And how do you make a yeah. distinction? I mean, I mean that's definitely correct. I mean, uh, Kobe was relentless. Kobe was my boy. We graduated high school together. We played a McDonald's game together. I've been knowing Kobe since a teenager. But when we got on that court, it was all about him being dominant. Dominate. It's about him dominating and him being dominant. He wanted to be the best player every night on that court. I don't care how close we are. We're trying to kill each other. We're trying to attack each other. And and a lot, not a lot of players have that. Some players these days, they'll know a guy from working out with him all summer, and they'll take it easy on him. They won't, they won't kill him as if they'll go at somebody that they don't know. Now, we go, we, we go at everybody the same. We approach the game the same. We'll never disrespect the game and take a light on somebody else just because we know him. Nah, that's, that's disrespecting the game to us. Has, have you ever gone at somebody so hard that you hurt their feelings? Or has somebody ever gone so hard at you that they hurt your feelings? Nah, because I know it's a part of the game. Um I've hidden game winners on people. I've, I've done. I've dunked on people. I've done a lot of stuff, and I've done a lot of stuff in the game. And some stuff has been done to me, but it's a part of it, and it, 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 it's, it's not the part of, of embarrassment. If I'm getting crossed over school, or if I'm getting dunked on, I'd rather be getting dunked on in the NBA and not on the YMCA league. That is that, that is a <laughs> you know when you came on the live, you you were smoking. You you, yeah. you, you, you were blazing right there. You said you smoked your whole career during the NBA. Is that true? Oh yeah, I don't. I ain't making up nothing. You can ask anybody that know me. That know me. I smoked my whole career. Even in the drug program, we found ways to smoke. Um, I had to because uh, that's the only way I cope. I've been smoking since I was twelve, and um, even when I had to take like monthly breaks just to pass a drug test, I went right back to it. Okay, were you now when you were on the court? Were you mildly high or were you high out of your mind? Like, how did it affect your game? I wasn't high at all during the games. See, this was my routine always. After the game, I'll go home and smoke. I'll smoke all night. I'll wake up on game day, go to shoot around, uh, smoke, go back home after shoot around. I mean, I'll smoke, go to shoot around, come back home, lay down, take a nap, 
and wake up and go to the game. By the time I go to the game, I'm not high no more. I'm ready to roll. My body's just relaxed, ready to ride. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And this is the final basketball question. For people who don't know, uh, uh, Stack and his teammate, Ron Artest, who's from New York, who I know very well, Ron Artest got in a fight with some fans, and, and, and he jumped in the crowd. Now, this is some... You don't know Ron Artest, but this is who Ron Artest is. He's from Queensbridge, New York. This is some real Queensbridge stuff. And Stack jumped in the stands and fought with him. And the reason I bring that up is because you were quoted as saying, you either said this or something like this. Stand up for your brother and accept the consequences later. That's loyalty and code. And here you are again doing the same thing. And it's, it's for your brother, George Floyd. How did you... Did you ever see yourself becoming an activist, the face of a movement? Did you ever see this coming? Nah, man. I, I mean, I, you know, when, when my brother got murdered, I mean, I was, man, Matt was at the point where we was at the end of our contract with Showtime. We got the one of the biggest podcasts out, so we was ready to cash in. So that's all I was thinking about. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we still negotiating right now so to get another contract. So that's that's what my I was focused on at that point. But um, I never expected this. I didn't ask for it. If I can get my brother back and all this go away, I would. But God put this in my lap for a reason because he knew I was going to ride for my brother 10 toes. He knew I was going to stand up and he know my heart. And God know I love everybody. So he put me in this position for a reason. And the only thing that's, that was people shocking about is that I've embraced it. That's apparently that I've embraced it. Wow. Now, uh, what, what part of Texas are you from? Part of the Texas. Rest in peace, Pimp C. Shout out, Bum B. UGK. Okay, okay. Is that close to, is that close, that's close to Dallas, right? No, it's an hour from Houston, 45 minutes from oh, Louisiana. from Houston. Okay. And 45 minutes from Louisiana. Okay, right, okay, I got you right. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of where Premier is from, which is um, Prairie, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about that. So, how did you wind up meeting George Floyd? What, what happened? We have, we have a homeboy named Tello, or rest in peace Tello. He used to be back and forth in Houston because he had a lot of relatives in Houston and Port Arthur. Um, I was a young guy on the basketball course in the ghetto, you know, and, you know, it was hustling and all kind of stuff going on. And uh, he came up to me one day and said, man, I got a homeboy from Houston that looked just like you. Yeah, I might have the same daddy. I'm like, yeah, right. But Teller was the big homie, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just, you know, not really paying attention, just listening to him. He brings him back like a week or two later. I'm in high school. And uh, I look at him. I'm like, our first words to each other, like, man, who your daddy? Who your daddy? Because we look that much alike, you know, and from that moment, from that moment on, we started calling each other twin to the point where I had success. Um, every time I went to Houston, my first stop was to pick him up and go hang out with him because people really thought we was twins at one point. And um, he became one of, one of my biggest supporters. He supported me genuinely. He really wanted to see me win without a motive, without without trying to gain something out of it. And that's what I'm going to miss most about my boy. Wow. When you mean not wanting to gain something out of it, what, what, do, you, what do you mean by that? You know, a lot of people hang around you for the wrong reasons when you make when you make a little change, school. They hang around you, hang around you for the wrong reasons, and their loyalty is how they benefit. Their loyalty is not to you. So as soon as you cut them off, they're not loyal to you. And that ain't real, that ain't real people. And then you have a lot of people around during that time. And God do that so because you gotta learn. Experience is the best teacher. And I've been there. So um it's it's all a part of it. I wouldn't change it for the world. Wow. So he never really asked you for anything. He never really was hanging on like that. He was just your man, man like that. No, nah, never, never. He wanted to be a protector and provider for everybody. He wanted to get his own. Even a lot of people don't know this. And, and this might be news to a lot of people and to the world. 
the day my brother got murdered, I got the DMs. He went, he went filled up. He went, uh, did two interviews for jobs. The late, the one of the jobs that he got, the ladies DM me and told me when he came there, the office was real down. They was having a bad day. He came in there and brightened up the whole office and actually got the job. And when they found out it was him that got murdered, she said the whole office hasn't been the same. This is this this is facts. And this is why a lot of people don't like to hear me talk because I don't make up stuff. I don't assume nothing. I speak facts with proof. And and a lot of people don't know my brother was on the right track. That's the only reason he was in Minnesota. And the sad part about the whole thing, Scoop, is that somebody that shows so much love to everybody had to die from somebody showing so much hate. It don't it, it don't add up. So there have been many people, especially talking heads and pundits and and people like that trying to assassinate his character in order to justify what happened. I've heard everything from, all oh, he ran into somebody's house, oh, he did, whatever they said. I, it has nothing to do with what happened that day. But for all of the negative things that people may have been told, I want you to tell us more positive stuff about him and things that were really good about him. Well, well one thing, let me say this first. Regardless of what he did, when you go to jail, you go to jail to do your time and rehabilitate yourself. He did his time and came out. So you can't hold that against him. That's dead. You know what I'm saying? That's dead. See, I, I can easily kill that just right there. You know what I mean? Um, but George was a person that he, he wanted to protect. He was a protect and provider. I mean, I remember when he got out of jail and he, and he was on his way to Minnesota. His whole conversation was he wanted to do and do better and change his daughter's life. He kept saying, I want to change my I want to change my daughter's life. I'm going out here and I'm driving these trucks twin. I need you to send me some clothes. And I sent him all kind of clothes for his job interviews and all kind of stuff. And he was really trying to turn that corner. And he really was turning that corner. And it's 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 kind of ironic because he always used to say he wanted to change his daughter's life. It sucks he had to give his life to change her life, but her life has changed and she's definitely living her best days right now. Wow. Well, well, well. In what way has her life changed and in what ways is she living a better life with him not being here? I'm interested to know yeah. what why you say that. Well well, simple fact, not 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 because he's gone. She'll never she'll never shake that. Uh she she was here with me like a week ago, asked me, Uncle Jack, Uncle Jack, is uh when we go to such and such, is my daddy gonna be there? So she's still she's still scarred. But she she has access to things that she would never have access to. Their life is changing, a better home. Better cars, better lifestyle. Uh, Barbara, Barbara Streisand gave her um, uh, some stocks to uh, to own some of Disney. Things that would have never happened in her life. You know what I'm saying? So a, a lot of things are happening, and their life are changing for the better. They don't have to live in the ghetto no more. She's she has access to a better school, a better education. All these things that matter to me, you know, and that matter to her daddy. The things that he wanted to do that he wasn't physically able to do. They're happening now, and 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 his, his death is not going in vain. I hate he had to go, but he's doing what he wanted to do for his daughter, and that's changing her life. So somebody gave gave the family a house. Yeah, uh, actually, Kyrie Irving paid two hundred fifty down two hundred fifty thousand down on the, on the uh, down payment on a five hundred thousand dollar house, and other players are putting in the rest of the money now. Mac Main, which is Lil Wayne manager, he bought them a, a two thousand twenty uh, Mercedes Benz truck, brand new truck. For Roxy and, and Gigi, a lot of people are doing. Like I said, Barbara Streisand gave a stock in Disney. A lot of people are doing great things and donate money to Gigi. So her life has changed for the better. 
I hate it had to be a dad, but he know he's changing her life, and I know he's looking down smiling. Oh man, that's that's crazy. You know, was was he was he troubled, or 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 was you know where was he in his life? Because everybody kind of paints him out as troubled. Mm-hmm. Where was he? And 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 and, and, as, and as his friend, how did you help him? Well, let let, let, let me explain. Let me, he he was the typical black man. We grew up in areas where there's not many options, and we got to figure it out. Uh, when you grow up in a single home, you hate to see your mama struggle. You hate to see your mama do everything. So you become a man at a young age, and on your way to figuring out and try to be the man in the house, you make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Experience is the best teacher because you don't know you don't know your way, so you try to figure it out. So he he's the same as any black man, you know what I'm saying? Trying to figure out and trying to be a provider and protector. He was no different than any one of us. The difference between me and him, I tell everybody, is I had more opportunity. I I I I I, I had a I had a guy who I love today, a Jewish kid named Josh Passner, who drove down to Port Arthur, Texas, to 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 the to the ghetto and asked me, did I want to play on his basketball team, AAU basketball team called the Houston Hoops? If he wouldn't have did that, my life wouldn't have changed. Nobody would have never heard about Stephen Jackson. So just 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 little stuff like that was the only difference between me and him. I just had more opportunity. He was an athlete in two sports. He just didn't get the same opportunities I had. Wow. Where were you when you initially saw the video? I was on the couch sleeping with my daughter. And uh, my girlfriend's mother, She, we always talk about police murders and social injustice, injustice and stuff like that. And, um, <clears throat> and um, she saw me the video. When I looked at it, I was half asleep, and I really didn't pay attention. I'm like, oh, it's another nigga they done murdered. And then I look at my phone. After I click out the message, I got like 52 messages. And I click on one. It's from my homeboy, Mike D. And they say, you see what they did, your twin, in Minnesota? And I instantly correlated that with my, my, my girlfriend's mother. She lives in Minnesota. So mm-hmm. I, instantly, I instantly correlated that with that's being my brother. And I just lost it. I screamed. I was breaking stuff. Scared my daughter, you know, to the point where, I, you know, I calmed down. I instantly went down there because... You know, I wanted to use my voice. I felt helpless. I feel like I couldn't do nothing but use my voice and try to continue to bring tension to the uh, to the situation so I can get justice for my brother. Wow. Now, people say that what you're doing right now is your true calling. Do you believe that? God don't make mistakes. I do I do believe it. I mean, like I said, I've embraced it. I'm I'm fine with when I die being known for what I'm doing now in basketball. Because they didn't, they didn't give me the the, the the roses I deserved while I was playing basketball. They let two incidents overshadow me being my brother's my brother's keeper and protecting my brother. They let that overshadow all the all the accolades and all the success I should have gotten in basketball, and I'm fine with it. But what I'm doing now is from the heart. Can't nobody control it but God. Well, I can tell you this. I don't know what the NBA said or whatever. I can tell you from the street side, we loved it. Um, you know, Ron Artest is a New York product. Soon as I saw him go in that crowd, I already knew somebody said something too fast, too slick, and, and I'm going to somebody's jaw. So and you know Ron. You you know you you know how Ron could be. Right. And you right up in there with him and listen, that ain't nothing but a street code and street loyalty. So I don't know what the NBA or what the uh, uh the, the sports radio is saying. I can only speak for the streets. 
And I can tell you the streets loved you. By the way, people, don't forget interviews, news, and more happen here daily at 6 p.m. Tomorrow we got Uncle Luke, Saturday, Lil John. So make sure you follow me and hit the notification so you know who's coming on tomorrow. Now, um, you're protesting all over the place. You're almost like on a tour. What has to happen for you to hang up your protesting shoes and stop doing this completely? Well, the, the first thing was what I started is to get justice for my brother. I ain't, I ain't going to stop until these guys in jail and they treat them just like they would treat me and you if we murder somebody, Scoop. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stopping until that happened, you know? And then, and then, like I said, during this process, I've heard so many other stories from mothers who, whose sons been killed by police, but they don't have a Stephen Jackson to speak up for them. So it's, mm-hmm. I, felt it's my, I felt it's my duty to be their voice. And I think, and, and I think it'll stop when we see real change. You know, I think uh, the fact that, 18 countries in all 50 states. I got people behind me that the outlook has begun, has begun, gotten a little bigger, but the goal has changed. The goal is equality all across the board. And whatever, mm-hmm. whenever that happens, as far as, you know, laws and policies getting changed, that we, have, we do have the right people that know what laws and what policies need to be changed and what need to put in. I'm not that person, but I know the people who have the answers. And when, mm-hmm. when it comes to that point where they're ready to talk to them people and actually change stuff, then, you know, this stuff might, might die down. But I don't know, because like I said, I'm doing it from the heart. I know I haven't seen no change yet. I know it's going to be a, a while for a trial for to put these guys in jail for my brother. So it's going to be a minute. But however long it takes, I'm in for it. You've been out there for a minute. What kind of energy have you been met out there with? What was the biggest show of love and what was the strongest show of hate so far? Uh, the biggest show of love has definitely been. I'm talking about when I when I step out in Minnesota, like I feel like Nelson Mandela. I'm telling you, like that's that that Minnesota showed me a lot of love because I they, I stood with them, you know. And 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 people don't know Minnesota just wasn't riding for my brother. It's been a long list of police injustice out there that nobody's been talking about. So they've been dealing with this for a while in Minnesota. So they they couldn't mm-hmm. wait to turn up and they definitely turned up. Um, I think the, 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 the hardest part was something recently, you know, everybody know that I love everybody, but I've been warned that the power I have, that they're afraid that a young, uh, that a black man like me have every race standing with me, that they're going to come at me in all type of ways to try to demean my character and demean what I stand for. And me standing for and speaking on the fact that, the way the Eagles handled Deshaun Jackson with, and the way they handled the, the Cooper receiver, to it, they tried to twist it into, into the way and to make it seem like I hate Jews, which I never said I love Jews. And if any Jew took that the wrong way, I apologize. But that, but I, you can never find a video or, 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 or article from me that's saying I hate anybody, Scoop. Nobody can. So, so, so I'm comfortable with saying these things as a man because nobody can assassinate my character. I'm a real one. From the, from, mm-hmm. from the dirt. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't assassinate me in no way. I've always stood and loved everybody. And the same guy I'm talking about that saved my life, that little kid named Josh, he's Jewish. So I hate when people try to twist stuff. You know what I'm saying? But I know I have a lot of power right now, and I know people following me, and they're afraid because I have all races. And I was warned that people going to come at me and try to twist things, but I have no problem with apologizing, and I have no problem standing up as a black man because I'm strong. And I'm head up, chest out with anything they throw at me. And I'm built for it. Like I said, God threw it in my lap. I'm embracing it. And that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was going to just uh, 
rebut what you were saying because you said that the, the the young Jewish kid is the one who puts you on the path to be who you are today. No, no Jewish kid, no, no guy protesting for George Floyd. It, it doesn't happen. Has anybody uh, physically threatened you? Death threats? Anything oh, like yeah. that? Or oh yeah. yeah. I didn't got death threats. My girl didn't got death threats. People didn't threat threaten me on my live. Man, that ain't nothing new. Man, I didn't been in shootouts. I didn't been shot. All kind of stuff. Man, that ain't nothing new. And then th this is the thing. This is the thing, Scoop. I'm gonna make it simple for a lot of people. A lot of people didn't fuck with me when I was in the NBA. They judged me from from helping Ron. They judged me from helping Ron, Jamal Tins at the strip club. They didn't know my real personality. They didn't know me anyway. So I'm not surprised that they stand like that because people that know me. They know me. People that don't know me, they can look at it different ways. Until they know me, they'll understand. Now, you you were, well, I saw it. I can't even say you were quoted. I saw you say that you don't really want the players in the NBA to play this season. Why is that? Well, I, I feel like it's going to take attention of the moment we have right now. I've talked to several people that's been fighting this fight their whole life, way longer than me. And they've even said, we've never had this moment. We've never had the changes we've had. We've never had their attention like we have now. I feel like the game, and I said this a month ago, Scoop. Check this out. I said this a month ago. Y'all can go on my live. I said, I don't think the game should come back because they're not going to do nothing to keep this moment going. It's going to take away from it. What have we seen different than the Black Lives Matter T-shirt, a Black Lives Matter sign on the court, and the PSA, a little commercial at halftime? And what are they doing now? trying to put stuff on the back of the jerseys, little stuff like that that's watered down. The movement ain't watered down. And now you're seeing a lot of players realizing that, and they realize, hold on, we can't do this. This is watered down. This, 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 isn't, this, is, not, this is not keeping the flame on the movement. This is just, mm -hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? This is not what we really stand for. So what I said is actually happening, and we've never seen different. So that's why I said, I'm not going against the NBA. That's my family, Scoop. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the commissioner actually reached out and signed his condolences and even reached out to me talking about, well, what we should do next for, to, to, to help to help uh, black people and, and social injustice. You know what I mean? So that's my family. But at the same time, I know what I know. And I've never seen different. And I'm just, and like I said, I always speak facts. Show me when I've seen different. We've never seen different. Well, I have two things to say about that. Okay, we know that the Kobe Bryants and the Kyrie Irvings and the the Steph Currys, they're not going to starve for a check. They can stay out for the rest of their life and it will be fine. But it's the guy who's the ninth guy on the bench, the 11th guy on the bench. Those are the people that will hurt if, if no basketball is played. It's the guy who makes $400,000 that takes care of 10 people. You know, those kind of people are going to get hurt. You know, do you feel that, did you think about it when you said that, number one? And number two, do you think that, Players being able to be in front of a microphone every night with the mic in their face being asked questions about the game and then talking about social injustice is better than having no players and nobody saying anything? Well, to, to, to the second question, how much focus and how much intelligence are how locked in on, on what you need to say about social justice after you've been playing a four-quarter game against LeBron? You tired. The last thing you're thinking about is, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you can't lock that in and go straight in front of the camera and say what you need to say. you out of breath. So it, it, it ain't going to be as genuine as it would be if, if, if they wasn't playing. Now, what was your first question? I, I kind of missed it. I, 
I, I shit, I, rem- I don't even remember. I, it was so long ago, I forgot it. But I want to, I want to say this. Why I think you are a person, and I'll go back and look at this live, and I'll be like, damn, that's what I asked, and then I'll call you on the DM and talk to you. <laughs> here's here's an idea. You know everybody in the NBA, right? You know everybody, or every at least every major player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Maybe you call them. And you'd pull one of these kind of things. When Marshawn Lynch would go in front of the mic, he would be like, yo, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Maybe we get some kind of thing that we can do or say when LeBron comes up to the mic, he just says, look, uh, so what happened with the show with, with the game tonight? And what happened with so-and-so? And maybe he answers a question or two, but he says that over and over, and maybe that's the way that we can bring some attention to this. That's just, that's only my thought, and that's the first thing that I said I was going to tell you. You are the only person that I know that can reach all of these people and get everybody on the same page. I think that that's a good you, idea. Your job is to do that. That's a good idea, Scoop. You know, you you know all of them. Okay, so we all get together in a room. LeBron, Steph Curry, a Greek freak, whoever it is, and you just say, look. We know you playing basketball, you getting your money, but when you get in front of the mic, boom. Da, 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 da. Okay, you, ask, you answer another two questions, boom. Matter of fact, the questions that you think are stupid, that people are messing with your head, asking you something that's like divisive, uh, I'm here for Black Lives Matter and so and so and so. All the stupid questions you can ask like that. You can answer like that. Because they always ask you questions that get on your nerves or they're divisive or they're stupid. Take the time, since they ask you something stupid, answer it with, I'm here for Black Lives Matter and Black people have to matter in America and whatever the case may be. I think that is one of the greatest ideas and only somebody like you could execute it. I like that idea, Scoop. And and just say, just say, yo, Fat Man Scoop told me that. Just just do that. Um, So I want to thank you for coming through. I got a couple other ideas what I'm going to do is just look for my DM, because I haven't DM'd you yet. Just look for my DM, and I'll hit you with some of the other ideas I have, because, again, I'm just I'm, I'm the dude that says, hands up, make it your hands up, and, and yeah. I can't do the things that you do. Speaking of which, um, I, don't know if, I don't know if they told you, but what I did for you, and I'm going to try to deliver it by the end of the week, I did a remix, a No Justice, No Peace remix, and it's like, love for all who have love for all, love for all who have love for all. And then I did it off the Beyonce homecoming beat. And I, I said, who are we? George Floyd. Who are we? George Floyd. So that you can play it at all the protests. Yeah. And you, I, I made have, that. I have, I have so I made, I made a little remix that y'all can put on the loudspeaker and y'all can just have, y'all can, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Say it loud. Like I did a whole remix and I put your name in it. I put George Floyd's name in it. So that's going to be coming your way soon. I'm going to DM you and just send me your email for the sentence. And I appreciate it, bro. I need that ASAP. I'm going to get it to you, bro. Just uh, just send me a DM, send me an email, and I'm going to send you the remix back. All right, bro? All right, bet. I appreciate you, bro. All right, be safe, bro. Love you, man. Love you, man. Make Noise with Fat Man Scoop is produced by myself alongside Raj Kachetcha and the team at creativecontentagency.com. Please support this podcast by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love that. And by following this podcast on Spotify and sharing links to episodes you enjoy with your friends. Do it. You can also email the show via podcast at fatmanscoop.com. I answer that. Or you can DM me at Fat Man Scoop. 
Yes, I answer DMs.